What's up, everybody? This is China Mike, along with Mr. Rico, recording a new episode of the Made in China podcast. This episode, we're going to be talking about growing pains, more specifically, the issues that you face、uh, going into a second stage of business, or as your business grows. We call it scaling. Scaling, scaling. Rico says, as your business scales, you grow, start to become more successful. You encounter a whole new bag of problems. Scaling so, is such a sexy word. Scaling. No, no, not that. Term. As in, in the business world, scaling is such a. Oh, how、okay. do we scale? In the business world, I was like,、ah, well, my business is scaling. That's、yeah. the only thing I say. <laughs> not too sexy.、I'm、I always say, say it again. Scaling. <laughs> nope. <laughs> not too sexy. I mean, if we talk about scales, it's different. <laughs> it's different.、Um, I love me some amphibian. Some scales. I mean, like if any time somebody, how's your business? Is scaling? Yeah. Oh my god, that's great. Shit, scaling. That's it's scaling. Yeah. The, How's think, your girlfriend? I, She's scaling. I think、oh, I saw that、funny. on your on your Tinder profile. Scaling. scaling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that's gonna get me too many likes. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. So where do we start? It's gonna be like a freestyle episode, guys. So we didn't, I didn't, we didn't come up with talking points. We have a broad subject, and then we're gonna let our beautiful personalities entertain you. All right, Mike, you have nothing. You just. <laughs> What are you? How dare you, sir? Huh? Um, just to、uh, set set the mood a bit, I just want to let you guys know we're sitting in the. Public workspace in the office. Across from the IFC Towers is a beautiful view of the IFC Tower and the set the pro. This Jujiang River in Guangzhou. The gigantic downtown、uh, ABC Agricultural Bank of China building, which looks like a I don't know, kind of like an old school Chicago style bank. It's gigantic. It's very very French, like cathedral you know, style. Cathedral style, yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. And、um, the Grand Hyatt's in front of us, along with a bunch of other giant skyscrapers. It's pretty we, cool. We yeah, should just take a picture of this and post it. This is another.、Side. Yeah, maybe we make this along the, with the podcast. Sorry, make this the the artwork of that. So okay. <clears throat> yeah, and then there's this one. There's this other building called the East Tower that they're they're calling it the East Tower. It's taller than the IFC Tower. So the IFC is like 108 floors.、Uh, there's the Four Seasons Hotel at the top. There's a bar there as well that I I like to go to from time to time. And then the East Tower is probably like thirty or forty floors taller than that. It's a pretty sweet sky view. I think that's what he's saying. Just that's how we ball in an office, all right? So, going back to scaling,、um, all right. So I guess the for me the the most interesting thing about about scaling a company is just like letting go of control. It's Absolutely terrifying because when I think about how we started this, it was just like me and Mike in an apartment, and then quite often like me sitting at a computer for eight hours at a time just doing shit, and and sometimes something that maybe should take me like thirty minutes to do takes me two hours because I'm a perfectionist and I go through it over and over again. 
I try to make it look pretty, then I go through it again, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, I think that was good at the beginning and you're, you're going above and beyond for your projects. And I still go above and beyond for our projects, except you just don't have the time to dedicate, you know, that amount of time to each individual task. Um, so it's like letting go of that is extremely difficult. And then when I see people that I assign those works to those tasks to those projects to fucking up <laughs> it it makes it's it's scary it's scary to see that but at the same time I, I hear so many so many other successful entrepreneurs not that I'm successful but like people that are a couple steps ahead of me just going like well it's normal you know you have to let go and people are going to make mistakes and you just have to trust that those mistakes that they're making aren't mistakes that are going to ruin your business. I think the type of situations that we're talking about um, can be applied to any growing business. Uh, I do think that we have a bit of a unique situation being that we are scaling with a business in China, uh, meaning that we have Chinese employees, which is a little bit different than I think, you know, having a startup in Silicon Valley and your employees are... Uh, slightly more qualified, free-thinking individuals. Um, you know, when when you're giving tasks, like you said, when 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 you're stepping away, you're not micromanaging everything that your employee's doing, and they're a Chinese worker. Oftentimes, the ability to to think quickly, to think outside the box, um, just it 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 doesn't exist. That's not a trait that. Uh, is prevalent here. Yeah, and we've, we've done an episode on having Chinese employees. Exactly. So <clears throat> kind of already been um, introduced to that. So that that's part of the part of the fear of as well of of scaling a business here. Yeah, I mean, definitely. This it's a different. I, I keep on saying the same thing. Is like if I now that I've been managing staff for I guess just over a year now. Chinese employees, I feel like then I could go and rock it in any other company with employees that I don't have to micromanage. It would be so easy. I, and I hated my, I hated micromanaging. And I prefer not to do it. I don't hate it anymore. I'm used to it. But like, it just was never my style. I've always been the kind of person who, even though I'm a perfectionist, I've always been the kind of person. And that's not to trash people. Chinese employees. It's not to say that people don't exist <clears> and think on their feet and, and, and you know, are, are go-getters or that you can't train people and, and they can learn how you like to work. It's just, this isn't the best environment for the um, free-thinking individual. <laughs> anyway, so, but just in general, I think, um, you know, letting go of control is one of the scariest things when you get into business year two and you start to have employees and you start to rely on other people to execute on a certain level. And, you know, I'm just curious, like, you, you, you've been in that position before. What did you do in the past? Well, I don't think I did a good job in the past of scaling. I think um, that's the first point where I started to experience some problems. Um, as a young company, working with one employee, with two employees, and myself, um, we had a ton of success. Uh, we started to get uh, a lot of projects, and I think I scaled too quickly. You know, we immediately brought on um, another foreign employee, we brought on two more Chinese staff, 
uh, moved into a big office. And, you know, even though we had the means to do this, I don't think, uh, looking back, that it was necessarily the best best decision because, you know, just because you bring on people and you tell them what, what it is you want them to do doesn't mean that it's going to happen, especially from day one. So when you start taking on all these projects and taking on all kinds of new responsibilities, just because you have the people in place doesn't mean that it's going to, to, to flow right away. You know, just like we, we said, mm-hmm. we, you, you know, you have to, to micromanage a little bit if you want to get all these things done. But um, I would say, you know, what I've learned and what, uh, what you've done a very good job with is, is just creating standard operating procedures, uh, creating systems, you know, creating a easy to follow roadmap for the people under you um, for specific situations. You know, mm-hmm. of course, certain situations are unique, and you're going to have to, you know, come come to Rico or come to me in order to get through them. But a lot of these things that we do are repetitive. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 pretty similar from one project to the next. And if you have a guideline. For how to get through those, it's going to make it a lot easier for you, you being the employee, to complete that task. So I definitely think that is yeah, the, is the number one thing when scaling. The vast majority of the stuff is repetitive. Mm-hmm. It's just like the only thing is that when you're in a startup, it's like because you're just new, a lot of times you're doing things for the first time. So, But now, you know, when you do something two or three times, when you do something a second time, you should be able to write some sort of SOP around it. Like we started, we introduced uh, product photos as a service like three months ago, four months ago. And it was like, we had one customer who requested product photos and we did it for that person. We didn't even have pricing up. Then we had a second customer and we kind of used that pricing from the previous customer to price this guy. Now we're in like a fourth or fifth product photos session. And it's like, now there's pricing up on the website. Like we have an SOP around um, the photographers and like, all this stuff, and it's like, yeah, it just it becomes very standardized. Um, so that's the only thing is like when you're in a startup, the first time and second time you're doing it, it's going to be, it could be messy. Um, but after that, you should be able to systemize and standardize that. For me, I'm doing stuff on a very small scale. Um, I, like it started off with templates. That's something I knew from day one is like we just need templates because it's just even, even before I started a company, I was just like, I use templates because sometimes you just do shit a lot, especially for podcasts or whatever. It's like you just want to have a system in place for it so you don't waste too much time. But I had the pleasure of connecting with Michael Michelini, not China Mike, but Michael Michael Michelini in Enter China. And I mean, he's a beast like in his various companies. I think he's created SOPs in three or four different businesses. And most of his companies, he doesn't have employees in offices. He's like... They're all like around the world working online and stuff. So for him, it's like imperative that he uses that. And he based his thing off of a book called uh, Work the System. There's a tropical NBA podcast where they interviewed that guy. He actually used to work for those guys. And then he started his own company and he's written this book as well. So check out Work the System if you want to get like the basis in terms of how to... uh, build SOPs and stuff. And you can look for that Tropic NBA uh, episode. They actually have a template of their SOPs on how to make a podcast. And 
you know, that's kind of, I look at that from time to time. I don't give these people the secrets. <laughs> Is that, what do you mean, the secrets? Man, it's in the public. Yeah, they're trying to trying to get this knowledge. Bro. Trying to hold down this podcast game, Rico. Yo, they're gonna come to a website for those links, bro. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, beyond that, it's just finding the right people. Like it seems like in startups, you're always, especially in the first year plus, you're always just constantly like changing personnel or looking for the next person, looking to fill the next position. Because now you're now you need three employees. Now you need a manager. Like now you need an accountant or whatever it is. It's just like always chasing the next person. And then somebody leaves, and you know maybe you make some hiring mistakes, things like that. Yeah, and with what we do with sourcing too, and being in China, um, the 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 schedule varies. You know, there's certain seasons where we're extremely busy, and then there's certain seasons where not as busy. I mean, you, you, of course, Chinese New Year, we're completely dead. So two weeks leading up to Chinese New Year and three weeks after, that's five weeks where we really don't have anything anything going on from a sourcing standpoint. So, you know, things are, are scaling up and down constantly. So, you know, one time feels like, oh, my gosh, we have no help. But then you bring someone else on, you could then step into a slow stage where it's like, ah, now I have too many, two people. So kind of always in, in a balancing act in that, in that sense. Did I tell you about what it was like when I was working for Abercrombie and Fitch? You worked for Abercrombie and Fitch? I was a model, bro. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry. See, that's how, that's how humble I am. I didn't even mention it. Folding jeans in the back doesn't mean you're a model. My, my job, my fucking name tag said model. Right? <laughs> I thought they only hired like skinny white people as it was. I was I was fine. I was a skinny black dude. Oh, you're a skinny black dude. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. Um, I should probably like if I were. I don't know if I focused on just fucking going to the gym. I could probably go and work there right now. But for the men's, like the older, whatever. Anyways, but in uh, I was working for Abercrombie and Fitch. Humble brag. I was working for Abercrombie and Fitch teams. Man, I'm a good looking dude. Man, that's not. You know, this is not. There's nothing humble about it. This is this real, all right. Just accept it. You've seen the Instagram. <laughs> See me on the gram. So I was working at Abercrombie, and uh, how was I going to relate this? Like I had, I had a very, very. I think you just wanted to throw into the podcast that you were Abercrombie and Fitch model. <laughs> so Pretty was, sure that's all that was. I just wanted to right let there. them know. I just wanted to let them know. I had a very, I like I had a very good. Oh yeah, they had a system which was really messed up. Um, essentially, they would just hire for the Abercrombie and Fitch, like uh, the, there's different levels. So there's Abercrombie, Abercrombie and Fitch kids. Then there's like, not teens, they don't call it teens, but it's basically teens to like early 20s. And then there's Abercrombie and Fitch, like the normal store, which is supposed to be adults. So in the teens one, they hire people who are in high school till like, you know, 19, 20 so first or second year of college. And I was in my, I think it was my first year of college or second year of college. And I was I was 18 at the time. And I was the oldest fucking person working in that store. I was 18. Everybody else was like 16 or 17. And they had this system where they had like 150 employees in the system for this one specific store, which is in the Eaton Center in downtown Toronto. And the, the store can only fit like 10 employees at a time. So okay. they had 150 people in rotation 
And it was everybody just like everybody like was four com- hours a week. <laughs> pretty much, man. And everyone was just competing for jobs. Oh, wow. That was pretty much what it was. It was like, they had the system where they, they would put job posts up. Yeah. And then like people would fucking apply for it. Or like I if I have a job post and I can't work that day, I would yeah. put it up and then people would clamor for it. So maybe we so, need to do the same thing. Hire twenty six people. Hire twenty people. So how was the issue resolved? Was it based off like how many jeans you could sell or like how many headshots you could Just bring about, in? It's more about do they like you? Oh. So I mean my first my job interview was was really good. Like you did, we did a public interview. Mm-hmm. So we did like a group, it was like ten people. Um then we did like a individual interview afterwards. So when we did the ten people thing, the girls were gorgeous and I'm this 18 year old dude, I was just like, how that? Like, I'm so, there was only like five positions available, and I'm just like, man, they're gonna hire all these girls. Um, but you know, I got in, and then they started asking questions like, why should we hire you? Why do you think you're a good candidate? So I, I, I went first. I put my <laughs> Luckily, hand up. we have 140 <laughs> positions available. <laughs> I put my hand up, and I was like, well, clearly, I'm the most attractive person here. Those, and then they started laughing, and I, was, I got the job from that moment. The dude told me, he's like, as soon as you said that, I liked you. Mm-hmm. And that's why I gave you the job, and that's why you gave me my first shift. And then my first shift was now I have to like I have to get the other two managers to like me as much as that, that dude. Okay. And yeah, that was pretty much it. So when I came in, and I, you know, I just uh, you know, I gave him a smile. They liked me, you know, handsome. Came in, gave him a positive attitude. Start with a smile, man. That's where it's... And then, yeah, I started getting shifts. So it, was, it wasn't a ton, though. It was mm-hmm. like, compared to the people that were getting like one shift a week, I was getting three. And then I would hustle on that online platform for like another two shifts. I did that for a summer and I was like, screw this. It's ridiculous. That's enough. Anyway, seen pitch. it was a long Abercrombie and Fitch tangent. <laughs> <laughs> that company's messed up, man. Like, seriously. Uh, you know the reason why they called us models? Why? So they didn't have to pay you as much? They didn't have to pay us. As, well, no, it's the opposite. Um, they called us models so they could use our pictures, like in our contract, like we had to take pictures every time there's a new line. Okay. <clears throat> so they could take pictures of us, but they were paying us the minimum wage. But our job description was model, so they owned that intellectual property, which was like... And the, and then they obviously targeted fucking 16, 17, 18 year, 18 year olds where it was like, this was literally my first job uh, or their first jobs or whatever. I think I had like, random jobs before that. But it was just like, this is my first official job like at a company where I don't know the person who's the manager. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, they were definitely taking advantage of their employees. And so that's why I left. But yeah, those was a Bacombi, man. Um, so to summarize scaling, <laughs> um, anyways, so the, I guess the point is if you are running a company and you're going into business year two, be prepared to let go of control and be prepared to have a lot of mistakes made by your employees. And the only way to fix those things is just to figure out what went wrong specifically. Well, one, it's to hire, take the time to hire good employees. I'm learning that now that, you know, one of my friends talked about negative output. So specifically with, uh, with programming, like if you're creating a software or an app or something like that, 
and you hire programmers and you don't hire high quality programmers, you're going to spend more time fixing the bugs in their software than actually making the software. So it actually becomes negative output rather than positive output. So it could be the same thing in a business like ours where it's like you have people doing research or making reports and stuff like that. And, and, and if the reports that they're making aren't correct and there's a lot of issues in the reports, you're going to spend more time reworking those reports than actually just making the reports. So it's very important to take that time to hire the right people and, mm-hmm. and focus on, on, you know, if you can't pay them, then find out other ways you can incentivize um, those people to work for you. So there's that. Uh, so that's the first thing is like hiring the right people. Then the second thing is uh, systemizing, systemizing repetitive events. Systemizing sure. repetitive events. Like I said, if there's anything that you, you, you've you done a second time and you know you're going to do it again in the future, that's something that you can build an SOP around. Um, and then the third thing is realizing that the mistakes, most of the time, most of those mistakes are not that bad um, and it's not going to ruin your business. Another thing is like just get feedback from customers because a lot of times uh, I've had situations where I wasn't happy with something that we did internally and then I'll I would actually ask my customers like what did you think about this what did you think about that yeah, I was going to say before Rico gave his list just with your employees and with the um customers as well as spot checks you know if it's like Rico saying with with the customers you just do little spot checks once uh, a certain task is complete what did you think about this? You know, what would you like to see different? How did this go? And and the same thing with employees, you know, I've noticed that, um, you know, that's a more consistent thing in, in our work week is having spot checks with the employees, you know, them giving us a review of what they did throughout the week. It helps them to kind of, um, you know, keep everything in perspective, try to summarize what they did, uh, I like to touch base with them, you know, the first hour when we come in. Okay, what do you have going today? What are you going to get accomplished? Uh, I think that, that you know, these little group meetings, powwows, if you will, to, to, to kind of uh, check in on what we're doing and stay organized as a unit is extremely helpful. Yeah, and I was saying, um, you know, I've had situation where I wasn't, situations where I wasn't happy with something and then I just literally contacted contacted our, our customer and said, what did you, what did you think about this? And they were completely happy with the whole situation. Like they didn't, they didn't yeah, notice. I mean, that's with things. anything. That's not just with the scaling situation is, is, is just getting some outside perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, asking someone who's not completely involved in the situation or has some knowledge of it, but you know, isn't in the day to day, um, day to day task. Test, test load and, and you know, that, in that I mean, case that would be a, I'll a give, customer I'll, I'll use an analogy that I used to give advice to one of our clients if you're an average person and uh, you're looking at a beautiful girl, beautiful guy you're not going to notice too many imperfections in that person you're just going to look at them and say oh wow that's a, that's a really attractive person um, but if you're a plastic surgeon your job is literally to perfect imperfections in how a person looks. So uh, because a plastic surgeon's job is to do that, they're going to notice certain things that other people wouldn't notice. So they might notice, for example, that, you know, a person's 
chin is not as symmetric as it could be or their nose is a little bit longer than the average person's nose is supposed to be like they're going to notice things like that even in a gorgeous person they're going to notice things like that more so than uh, the average dude so it's important that you kind of get perspective and take yourself out of the situation and ask other people that are not involved on a day-to-day basis in what you're doing and ask them, hey, like, what do you think about this? And get feedback from them because they'll have that perspective of not analyzing things too deeply and not worrying about things too deeply. So, yeah, that's, that's a super important thing to do when you're in that position and you're worrying too much. And that's it for me in terms of this podcast. Thanks for checking us out, guys. Glad to be back recording episodes. We're going to start posting more frequently. Made in China podcast. Find us at uh, sourcefindasia.com and enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Info at sourcefindasia.com if you want to reach out to us. Bye.